Hi, you're listening to 10-Minute IS Paper. My name is Blair Wang. Today's paper is called Enabling Collaboration and Innovation in Denver's Smart City Through a Living Lab, a Social Capital Perspective by Valerie L. Bartelt, Andrew Erbagzuski, Andrew G. Mueller, and Supratik Sarkar, published in the European Journal of Information Systems in 2020. So this is a paper about smart cities. I always thought, well, for a city to be smart, it's just like technology enablement, right? A kind of. So that's certainly one aspect of it. But one of the things that the authors clarify really early on, like page one early on, uh, is that it's more than just technology enabled initiatives. That's a big part of it. But the other part is, and I quote, turning individual systems into a coherent system of systems. And what that means is is integrating data and technologies between different public systems. And they they give examples of like transport and health and emergency services. So you can see how these things would be uh, interrelated. And it probably makes sense to sort of smoothly integrate data between them so that we can generate insights across everything that happens in the city, not just the individual silo of a particular department. Uh, So the authors take the case of Denver uh, while acknowledging that obviously there are other smart cities even in the U.S. Uh, They give the examples of Austin in Texas and Columbus in Ohio. But they say that they focus on Denver because it's exemplary of uh, rapid growth straining its current city systems, especially transportation networks, but also that the authors had a unique access to Denver Smart City, DSC, personnel and projects due to a long-standing relationship with the university. Uh, the authors also make a good point that in information systems research, we tend to be a little bit skewed in terms of our knowledge about IS because we rely on private sector findings. Not, not that the research is published by the private sector, but that a lot of case studies, a lot of research is built on findings from going inside a company, a for-profit industry, which is fine. I mean, you certainly find out some things about the world, but the limitation there is that the public sector, like governments that do smart city projects, they work a little bit differently to the private sector. The authors say on page two, the public sector values are often based on virtuous characteristics such as honesty and equity. But on the other hand, (laughs) public sector organizations often rely on bureaucratic governance and are more process driven. Now there's this other aspect of this paper. So we've got the smart city aspect that it's a case study in Denver, but they also have this phrase and idea of a living lab. So what's all that about? Well, a lab is of course a place where you test things, experimental things, things that might be awesome breakthroughs and things that might fail catastrophically. Uh, Whereas the usual contrast is that you wouldn't do that in the real world. Uh, You wouldn't do that for real life things because if they fail catastrophically, then that would be really, really bad or certainly consequential. Uh, The case that they're putting forward here with uh, what they call Denver Living Lab, so a living lab associated with the Denver Smart City, is that they've got a way to get the best of both worlds, that you can have that experimental mindset as well as also being able to get the realism of a real world situation. And so apparently this is what Denver are doing in their Smart City program. So the paper is essentially how does this living lab concept 
help with a successful smart city project uh, in Denver. So in order to answer that question, the authors interviewed a bunch of people from the DSC, Denver Smart City Program, um, including the program manager, team leaders, etc., and also some secondary data, you know, documents about the smart city project. And the way they make sense of this data uh, is with theory. Uh, this is a very common thing in IS research. We have a theory, some explanation about how the world works, and we, we often refer to that as a theoretical lens, uh, something that helps us see the world differently. In this paper, they draw on what's called social capital theory, which is a very popular theory in IS research. For those of you who may have not heard of this before, social capital theory is basically, or well, capital in a traditional entrepreneurial sense, is basically resources that helps you be profitable. So for example, a computer for me is capital because it helps me make money because that's, that's what I do for a living. Um, so social capital are things that you've access to, resources that you've access to that help you be productive. So as the authors quote, uh, network ties of goodwill, mutual support, shared language, shared norms, social trust, and a sense of mutual obligation. All of these things, that one has access to by virtue of where one is in society, uh, which one can draw on to be productive. So how does social capital make the Denver Living Labs successful for the Denver Smart City? Well, there are different aspects of social capital and the authors draw on all of these. There's structural capital, which is the network of the social system, how people are linked, there's relational capital, which is about the actual personal relationships between individuals, and there's cognitive capital, which is how all the people and the teams create shared meaning and interpretation, making sense of the world around them. So in terms of the first one, the structural capital, the project and all the names of the teams are now based on this DLL identity. People are taken away from the individual departmental silos and now they, they fly this common flag, which actually has a huge impact, not only on the individual silos of the government departments, but also on the outside vendors, which is a very common experience we have in IT projects, we have to draw on the big tech companies or local tech companies to help us deliver some technology systems. And these outside vendors, there's a common problem that they feel marginalized on a project like this uh, the, between the vendor and the client. Well, if everyone's flying under this joint DLL flag, everyone feels like they're a part of this and that brings people together. And that actually ties in with the relational capital aspect because what it means is that people develop better relationships relationships. Regardless of the pre-existing silos, people now have a new team and a new team means a new opportunity to create a new team culture. And from the ground up, they always encouraged a very collaborative and open culture that people are very solution oriented and so on and so forth. All the things that we I guess, usually wish that we could do with a new team if we could erase the pre-existing political structures, which the DLL flag allows them to do. And then finally, cognitive capital. That's the shared meaning and interpretation. So the paper talks about this thing called photo voices, which was this, I think it sounds like some sort of multimedia system that seems to basically facilitate collaboration between the DLL staff and regular old citizens through photos that demonstrate a theme or answer a question. Kind of sounds like Instagram posts of some sort. I'm not too sure. I, I can kind of imagine that. But in any case, what, it, what you could see that uh, that brings together certain ideas and then going into this really diverse team coming from previous departments, the staff can, and I quote, 
use the best minds of all the departments. And the authors particularly draw on one of the things that emerges from that, which is the fail fast, fail often mentality. Because it looks like early on, they really wanted to bring in this agile uh, methodology perspective of iterative development and trying things and experimenting with things, which is very much the soul of living labs, actually, if, I, if, I, if I'm reading this correctly. And finally, the authors of this paper circle back to that whole point about how the public and the private sectors are different. What I pick up is that the motivations seem to have made an impact. And a quote from page 11, there was a consensus from all the team leaders that they enjoyed being part of the public sector. They enjoyed being civic services oriented, which made them feel like they were being good stewards with taxpayers money. So to summarize, Obviously, there's a bunch of different ways you could run a smart city project. And the authors here are suggesting that a living lab organizational structure might be particularly conducive. At the surface, because it seems to encourage this iterative testing of experimental ideas in a safe environment. But if you scratch beneath the surface, how that actually works is social capital. That you've created this common banner of let's say DLL, that you've got the people united there and building good relationships, and they're, they're now building cognitive social capital and thinking and interpreting the world together. And so what's the actionable insight here? And I quote from page 14 that, smart city managers should proactively cultivate social capital. A good learning, not just of course for smart cities, but perhaps for the rest of us as well. This has been an episode of 10 Minute IS Paper. Thanks for listening. The music on this show is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod and generously licensed under Creative Commons. You can find out more about the show at tmisp.org and you can reach out to me, Blair Wang, at www.blair.wang.